helpful because I, I don't know if you guys know this, but a lot of churches spend like half their budgets and a huge amount of their time all on this Advent season or in this Christmas season, sometimes trying to come up with the cutest and most gimmicky thing possible. And it can be exhausting. I've been in that space before as a church leader trying to put on the best show. And I'm just so grateful that we can just put a pop pin in it and say the church has practiced this thing for a long, long time. And if it ain't broke, don't fix it. We don't have to recreate the wheel. We get to slow down and enjoy the beautiful reality that Jesus, over 2,000 years ago, took upon flesh and dwelt among us. And more often than not, I don't need to be taught something new. I need to be reminded of something old. I need to be reminded of the beauty, the glory, the wonder of Jesus. And so we're going to slow down this Advent season and look at these four themes once again. The other thing that we're going to be doing this Advent season is uh, as we look at hope, joy, peace, and love, we're using uh, an old hymn written by Charles Wesley uh, in the 1700s, also something that's very old, uh, and it's Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. And Come Thou Long Expected Jesus is going to help frame our teachings. And this morning, the, the phrase that we're going to be looking at or to kind of help us in our journey, we're going to sing this a bunch as well. We're not singing it this week, but we will sing it in the weeks to come, uh, is Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. Israel's strength and consolation, hope of all the world thou art. I love this, the phrase that Charles Wesley uses in here of expected. Expected or anticipated or hoped for. This whole song that we're going to be singing a bunch this season is is about expecting Jesus to arrive uh, as he was born over 2,000 years ago and for him to come again. But I'm curious that this, this word expected, it could be expected, anticipated, hoped for. I'm curious for you guys and kids in the room, if you guys will look up for a second, what, is, what, are, what are some of your, your, something that you've hoped for? Adults can chime in too, but what's something that you ex- hope for? What's something you hope for? Could be anything. Anybody? What's something you've hoped for? Naps? I knew I could count on you, Dave. Retirement? Yeah, kids aren't the only ones that get to share. That's great. A Gryffindale? A Rivendell Raven. Oh, Lego, a Rivendell Lego set. You have excellent taste. Excellent taste. Yeah, what's up, Shiloh? Oh, I really hope for a brother or sister. Another cute puppy or doggy? Did I see a hand back there? What else? Yeah. Anybody else? New pair of rollerblades, circa 1996. I hope for Shohei Otani, yeah. 
What's another squishmallow? We find ourselves hoping, expecting, or anticipating lots of different things these days. And some of those could be like what we shared, or others, somebody said, I hope for retirement. I think that's a, a great one. Or like, I, I hope for uh, an ultralight uh, trout fishing rod so I can increase my ability at being an excellent trout fisherman, or hopefully one day. And I really want this rod so that I can work on my mini jig, whatever. Or, or, or I hope... Uh, I hope to go on vacation with my wife for my, our 20-year anniversary in, not ne this year, next year. 20 years, right? That's, that's, I hope to do that. I hope, well, I don't have a stock portfolio, but some people might hope that their stock portfolio increases three times between the time where they're at now and the time when they maybe retire. We have lots of different hopes and our expectations. And none of these are necessarily wrong, but they can be wrong if they become our primary source of hope. Have you guys ever noticed that sometimes one of the ways we can figure out what we hope in is what happens when that thing that we're hoping in, we don't get? <laughs> like, like I, I, I hope to go sit on the couch this afternoon and watch football. And if that doesn't happen, what happens to you? Grumpy, because <laughs> you didn't get your football or your nap. Seriously, though, if you want to figure out the things that you hope in or the things that you are anticipate, one of the things to see is to recognize your attitude when that thing doesn't happen. Because I think a lot of times, these things that we might say are maybe secondary or tertiary or not super high hopes, we allow them to actually crush us when they don't come to fruition. And as we talk about hope this morning, we are going to be reminded that we have a hope that is a state of anticipation and expectation that God will do what he said. We have a hope that will never let us down. And this biblical hope is always and specifically connected with and to a person. And of course, that person is Jesus. Our friends from the Bible Project, they say this about hope. They say, Christian hope is bold, waiting for humanity and the whole universe to be rescued from evil and death. Biblical hope is an optimism based on the odds. It's a choice to wait for God to bring about a future that's as surprising as a crucified man rising from the dead. Christian hope looks back to risen Jesus in order to look forward. And so we wait. This morning we are going to be looking actually at Luke 2 together. And looking about how our hope is fixed on Jesus. And we're going to be reminded of how much we need this hope. Hope is essential for the flourishing of humanity.
Israel throughout all their years and trials and tribulations, they continued to hope that God would come and rescue them and deliver them. But that hope, it's not just wishful thinking. That hope rests on a God who has been faithful throughout generations. They continue to hope because they have a God who was faithful in creation. He was faithful with Noah and to Abram and to Moses and through the exodus and the pillar of cloud and fire to David, to exile, then out of exile. God has said that he would provide a Messiah and so they hoped in the one that would come to be their deliverer. So this morning we're going to look at a couple people at the end of Luke 2 who waited and hoped. So if you will, open up your Bibles to Luke 2, 22 through 38. And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. That's they brought Jesus up to Jerusalem. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord pair of two turtle doves, two young pigeons. And now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, He took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, you now are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. So this morning, we're going to look at a few of these characters. And we start with those who were waiting and longing for Jesus. We're introduced to this character named Simeon. And we're going to look at 25 and 26. And in a minute, we're going to look at Anna. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. We see Simeon, he is a a devout Jew, and if you were with us during our Genesis series, you might hear or notice a similar description even to that of Noah, that he was righteous. Again, that doesn't mean he was sinless. But he was righteous and devout. There was a pattern that existed in this man of regularly seeking God. And he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. 
This is also connected to our song, right? Strength and consolation. Consolation is the comfort received by a person after a loss or disappointment. Strength is connected to the one who has the power to actually deliver, establish, or insecure. Or as the psalmist regularly says, these are our refuge and strength. You see, a bit of context for us, and as was demonstrated here in these candles, Israel has experienced 400 years of silence. There hasn't been a prophet, one who would actually speak and help us understand what is going on and where are we in this space with the Messiah. Israel had made mistake after mistake. They'd sinned over and over. They'd experienced suffering and exile. And they longed for the Messiah, for God to fulfill his promise, that there would one who would come who would console them. So the consolation of Israel is the hope and anticipation, expectation that God would come to rescue and comfort his people just as he said he would. But what is Simeon waiting for? He's waiting with his own eyes to see the Lord's Christ. This is a specific messianic title, the Messiah, the promised one of God. Again, if we were to go back into our Genesis series, we could you know, flash back to Genesis 3 and the promise of, of one who would come from the seed of Eve. Simeon had been told, instructed by the Holy Spirit that he would get to see the Messiah before he died. We have very little information about Simeon. We actually don't have any idea like how old he actually was. We don't have like his background. Again, we have this little snapshot. What we know is that he's old. I think of like the lady from, oh, well, never mind. Um, the, that Grant, I can't remember what her name is, but every movie that I, is popping to my mind, like Happy Gilmore, that lady with the meatballs. Um, old like that. <clears throat> or old like me, if you know, and Happy Gilmore was a nostalgic part of your growing up. Uh, but he's old. We don't know how long ago he received this insight from the Holy Spirit that he'd get to see the Messiah. And yet, obviously, it seemed as though he's incredibly convinced. But you'd have to imagine that Simeon probably had many days, maybe many years, of maybe frustration, let down? Am I actually going to see this? As each day gets closer, as his breath is getting heavier to take each breath, as he's doing the older man groan that I found myself beginning to do as he's coming up out of the chair or going into the chair, like that sigh is getting longer and louder. And you wonder, maybe he wondered. Did I hear that right? Will I actually get to see? But what we see from Simeon is we see this dependence to continue to remain faithful. He listened to what God said through his spirit and trusted. Though it probably wasn't without frustration, days of disappointment, I'm just curious how often he walked to the temple with that pit in his stomach thinking like, today's going to be the day that I see him. 
today is going to be the day that I see him. Today is going to be the day that I see him. And I think sometimes we go through the story, we, don't, we just think that he gets to see Jesus, which is pretty amazing. But we don't think about the process, perhaps. And again, we're, he could have been told the day before. I don't know. That's not the picture that's painted with this devout man. It seems as though this is something that was communicated to him in day after day after day after day after day. He hoped that he would see the Messiah. I just don't want us to think unhumanly about hope and to think that hope is easy. Sometimes hope is hard. Sometimes hope is hard. And we actually need the Holy Spirit's hope, help in that hope. But as we can see in this text, deep down, even though there might have been struggle, even though there might have been a long time, we don't know, Simon, Simeon excuse me, was confident that God would do what he said. Because hope, biblical hope, it's not rooted necessarily in what God will do. It's actually rooted in what God has done. And so Simeon knew that God had been faithful throughout generations. So he trusted that he would still be faithful. Then we have Anna in verses 36 and 38. She was a prophetess. The daughter of a person whose name started with P. Then we get some other like interesting background. I think it, it is, again, this is an older woman. She had been married and then she was a widow. But she didn't lose purpose. In fact, it said this, that she didn't depart from the temple. That she continued to worship and fast. Praying day and night. And then coming at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. You see, both Simeon and Hannah were waiting, hoping, and expecting that God would bring about the redemption of Jerusalem. And when Anna sees Jesus, she can't help but share it with other people. I love this. We kind of have like our first evangelist. For Jesus, by the way. Here, 40-day-year-old Jesus arrives, and Anna can't help but share with others, with anyone who will listen, like Tim talked about earlier, for the hope that we have, because Israel's redemption, our redemption that we sung about earlier, has come. He's here. You see, Jesus is our hope. Jesus stirs our hope, and his hope is to be shared. It's not for us to hold on to. And even in the small snippet that we see with Anna, we see that she, when she sees Jesus, wants to share Jesus. Because it's not just for her. This hope is for everyone. Moving on, we see that God's salvation is in Jesus. We look at Verses 27 through 32, back to Simeon. And he, Simeon, came in the spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child 
to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory of your people, Israel. It's crazy. Hold on, let, let, me, let me take him. I told you I might do this. If you guys haven't met him, here's Judah. This is number five. Judah is a little bit more than 40 days old. Simeon grabbed hold of, just to be really clear, Judah is not Jesus. Okay? Don't want anybody to get weird on me. But I think we forget that Jesus looked like this. Jesus was brought into the temple. And although when I look at Judah, I'm like, holy smokes, you are amazing. Simeon grabbed hold of a baby similar inside to this. And he says, my eyes have seen the Christ. So much so that he was willing and ready to depart in peace. Friends, I know it's silly, and this is not, not the point, but the, the reality is that Jesus actually came in the flesh. We lose sight that Jesus came in the flesh. He took on flesh. He humbled himself, and is like him, sort of. Again, he's not him. Very good, baby. Five's easy, guys. Everybody should do it. <laughs> but friends, isn't that wild? Anna and, and, and Simeon both with a baby that size were like, this is Jesus, he's the redeemer. A baby? Are you kidding me? That is the hope of the world? But Simeon says, my eyes have seen your salvation. He's legitimately ready to depart in peace. He's grateful that God has allowed him to see the Messiah. He legitimately didn't hear him. He couldn't speak. He didn't, excuse me. He didn't speak. He hadn't performed a miracle. None of those things had happened yet. This is all because the Holy Spirit had moved in power and spoken and highlighted Jesus. To Simeon and Anna. And they had such hope that even in that moment, Simeon's ready to die. He doesn't even need to see, like, he doesn't even need to see the finished work because he has so much faith and trust in the God who has been faithful, with the God who is faithful. He trusts that he will be faithful. But Jesus comes and he is salvation. He, he is being prepared for all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. How beautiful. How beautiful that he's able to have this, this hope like this. 
And I think, friends, we forget that we too can hope in Jesus like that. In, in, in many ways, more than that. Even though we didn't get to physically hold infant Jesus in our arms. We get to live in the reality of what Jesus made possible when he first arrived through his birth, through his life, death, and resurrection. We can experience forgiveness where we're brought into the family of God. We get to know him as father and are given the Holy Spirit. That same spirit that spoke to Simeon and let him know that Jesus, he would get to see the Messiah before he died. That same spirit now dwells in us because of the finished work of Jesus. And like Simeon, if and when our life comes to an end, we can depart in peace because Jesus, our Savior, has come and secured for all who believe in him everlasting life. Romans 15, 4 reminds us, it says, For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Simeon got to hold baby Jesus. We have been given the gift of the Holy Spirit who dwells in us, and we've been given God's word, which is a means for us to have hope here and now. However, the question is, are we putting our hope in Jesus and his word or somewhere else? Verses 33 through 35, Jesus is the dividing point of history, humanity, and salvation. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And here we see that Jesus is the dividing point of history. He is appointed for the fall and rising of many. You say to, to, see, to say that Jesus is our hope is to declare that all other hopes will fail. Everything hinges on Jesus. And it doesn't mean that there won't be suffering in there. It talks about the, the suffering that Mary's going to endure as she watches Jesus go to the cross. So one of the reasons we still need hope is because that there's suffering and sadness and sorrow that exist. But in our Genesis series, we talked about the wiliness, the, the sneakiness, the cleverness of the enemy who desires to get us to put our hopes in things other than Jesus. And Advent is an opportunity for us to look back, to look around us, and to look forward, and to reorient our hopes. Because if we are not careful, friends, the hope that we have in Jesus will be challenged by the hopes that are offered in this world. And so Advent gives us a chance to pause, to look back and see how our hopes are fulfilled in the coming of Jesus, that our salvation, that Jesus has come in the flesh, 
Now we rejoice that if Jesus was willing to come and take on flesh and dwell among us, to even to go to the cross on our behalf and be raised from the dead, we now, as Peter reminds us, are born again into a living hope. Our deepest longings to be made right with God, our deepest longings to belong with one another, our deepest longings to be with him forever are made possible because Jesus came, born a king, and willingly laid down his life. We rejoice, we look back, and we are grateful that hope has come. We also, we look around. We look around now and we mourn and we celebrate. We mourn in the ways in which our world still feels broken and is lost and not experiencing the hope of Jesus. And we also celebrate that around 3 billion people right now on this planet proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord and are experiencing the hope that Jesus brings today and the hope he brings tomorrow. We look at our own lives and we ask God to check our hearts and see where we are perhaps placing our hope in things other than King Jesus. We also look around, hopefully like Anna looked around, to share with anyone the hope she had. Again, like Tim, it's, it's almost like the Lord lined things up, right? As Tim prayed earlier, that we'd be ready to share the hope that we have. Anna looked around to share the hope that she found in infant Jesus. Friends, are we looking around to share the hope that we have, not just in infant Jesus, but in the risen, crucified Jesus? This hope that we have is not meant for me to keep. It's one of the greatest gifts, it's one of the greatest presents that we can give is the hope that we have in Jesus. But friends, we cannot give what we don't possess. We cannot give what we do not practice. Are we practicing walking in the hope of Jesus? So we look back to see how God has been faithful and recognize that we can have faith, we can trust God in the now, and we also look forward because God has been faithful. We look forward to the day where there will be no more tears, no more sorrow, and no more pain. All suffering will cease. His kingdom will come in full, and there will be no evil or sin to tarnish God's design. We long for, we anticipate, we expect Jesus' return and his kingdom to come in full. Why? Because God has been faithful throughout the ages and his faithfulness chiefly demonstrated in the person of Jesus and through the age of the church to where we are today. And we ask God through his spirit, the same spirit that told Simeon that he would see the Messiah to help us truly to hope in Jesus above all other failing hopes. In one of Paul's prayers in Romans 15, 13, he says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace 
in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Worship team, you guys can come up. Hope is not something that you can muster. It's like telling somebody who is, uh, <laughs> maybe, I don't know if anybody, well, it's, it's, you can't, you can't self-create it. You, it has, we have to have help. Hope is hard. We all walk through different seasons of life. And sometimes, and especially in a place like Camarillo and Ventura County, where things are pretty nice and comfortable and secure. Sometimes it may not feel like we need hope that much because we're pretty satisfied with what we have. But it doesn't take long for us to look around and realize that there are things that are failing. There are things that are falling apart. There is brokenness and justice and war. And we need God to make it right. And for God's people to flourish, we must be a people of hope. And might we, this Advent season, ask God for help through his spirit to actually hope. To hope in him. To hope in his coming. To hope that he is the God who has said he is. This Advent season, would our hope grow as we engage and eat this word? And would we share, like Anna, this hope that we possess, for it's not ours to hold on to, but ours to give to others. Our line from the song is, Come thou long expected Jesus. Israel's strength and consolation, hope of all the world thou art.